we've been talking about rejection, and I want to back up just for a minute um, because we're talking about how Jesus was rejected. We've been, we've, we've kind of, I've kind of laid the groundwork of the type of rejection that possibly you've been through, and I want to, I want to hit that again because I know we've got some first-time guests here today and that may not have heard what I've said. But rejection, if it's not dealt with, can become a spirit of rejection. You know, if we can deal with the, with the feelings that we have and get them processed and let the Lord have them and move on, those things don't take root in our lives. But when we don't deal with that and we allow that hurt to fester and to grow, it can go down deep into your spirit. Amen? We can have a spirit of rejection. Amen? It can get down deep. That's what we've been trying to uncover. What kind of rejection? Maybe you didn't make a team. Uh, maybe you weren't in the right group at school. Maybe you didn't get picked by the right sorority. Um, maybe your parents rejected you. Um, maybe even to an extreme you were abused by a parent um, or, or a family member. Um, maybe you, you, you're, you felt like your dad didn't love you, your mom didn't love you. Maybe they even said it. Uh, maybe you were born in, in a situation that the parents weren't exactly expecting you and you felt rejected. You know, there are so many deep ways of being rejected. I just barely touched on them just even this morning, but I want you to just kind of take a moment just for a second to say, ooh, something just struck a, a chord with me. Something just maybe touched you know, a sensitive area. Yes, I was rejected. It wasn't exactly what the pastor said, but yes, I can kind of go back to that moment. I can feel that where a coach might have said something over you or um, a, a, again, a parent or someone in leadership, maybe even in the church. Uh, it's, it's so easy to allow that door to open for rejection to come in and to live to live in your spirit. And then from then on, everything is filtered through that. So many sins and so many wrong directions can be brought back to rejection. So with that said, if that's kind of, a, if you're identifying with that, go back and re-listen to the podcast. They're free on the website at churchonthehill.tv. But we've been talking about how Jesus paid for us. He was rejected for us. We're gonna go back into that and look at that but I want to back up just for a second again. And I heard, of all things, I heard Taylor Swift get interviewed because she just released her new album last week or whenever it was. And she was being interviewed about what, what would you tell teenagers today? What advice would you give teenagers today? And she said, I, I really don't know what I would do if I were living as a teenager today because of how social media works. And how now kids, young kids can go to a birthday party and others that get rejected, you wind up watching it live. Before you'd wait and get to school the next morning and hear about the party that you missed out on, now you literally can watch the thing live. You can see the pictures, you can see the things that are happening, and the rejection that takes place because of social media, Facebook, Instagram. We heard this morning one of our school teachers in, in, uh, in our class said that kids are committing suicide due to the rejection that's happening via social media. So... Rejection is real. So I just, I just asked my child, could I share this? I hope I don't go too far with this. Lord, help me not go too far. Okay. Yesterday, we go to a UT football game. The chuckles are funny. I get it. So, didn't go well. 
No. By the way, they lost. <laughs> hey, if, if you didn't know, UT lost. Um, she was there. Uh, she's so funny. Elizabeth and I, we tailgated beforehand, and we were in between Thompson Bowling, and, which is the basketball stadium, and Neyland Stadium, and where the football team plays. And it was finally time for the game, and she said, are we going in there? Pointing at Thompson Bowling. And I'm like, are you kidding? No, we're not going in there. That's where the basketball team plays. We're going over there. So we're at the game, and it it wound up being after the game that uh, everybody was talking about what they posted, and we had some family pictures and, you know, all this fun. And I, I look at my daughter that took a friend and these pictures, the, these pictures that were taken from the stand, smiling and saying stuff like, oh, this is so awesome or whatever, having such a good time. I don't know what it said. I got that wrong. Uh, and then all these comments that came in, oh, you're so gorgeous, oh, cute, y'all are so awesome, yay, you know. <laughs> but I'm looking at those posts and literally the game starts about one series later, four downs, maybe two series, maybe both teams got the ball. I look down our row and they're gone. My whole family's gone. I'm there with five, including me, there's five of us there and slowly they start filtering out. Rita literally sat down on the first play and she just went, how long does this last? (laughs) Didn't even look at the field. And I'm like, three hours? oh no, I'm not doing this, got up and walked out. She was the first to go, then Elizabeth went, and then Sarah Bed and her friend left. It, the seats burned your rear. I'm telling you, I bet it was 150 degrees on those seats. We're in the sun, it's so hot. It's so hot. And we're playing a subpar team and getting beat by them. I'm sorry, any Georgia State fans, I'm sorry. We were the subpar team, to, to tell you. Subpar, above par. We were, that, the golf analogy doesn't work. Subpar is good. We were above par, we were not playing well. But I look at that post, and it looks like everything's awesome, and we're just having the best time. When they're out in the, over where the concessions are, sitting on the ground, just playing on their phones and just hanging out, But to the public, it looks like life is perfect. Life wasn't perfect. Now, they had a good time, but what they were projecting wasn't what was happening. They were gone. I made it until about a play or two into the second quarter, and I'm just like, the heck with this. They're terrible. My family's not here. I'm not staying. So we left. I call Ruth Ann. She's sitting with the students. How's it going? Fine, how are you doing? Oh, we're leaving. You're leaving? Yay, I want to leave. Okay. (laughs) And we all leave. The whole day set up for that game, and it just did not work out. We had a lot of fun. We were with family. We got those tickets because of family, not because of the team, even though I love the team and I love to go support and watch football. But what looked one way was not that way. And we allow these things to get down deep into our spirit. And it's not even what we think is going on. Social media makes people look perfect. And I will just tell you, they're not perfect. 
They're so far from perfect. Let's now go back to what the Lord did for us. It's so important that we come to church to to tap into Jesus, to his word, and what his provision is. As my mom said today, God wants to make your path straight. How many of you have a crooked path? Man, trying to find the gate into the game. There's billions of people. We don't know where we're going. It's just cattle being herded. And we get there and it's like, we got to be on the total opposite side of the stadium to go sit where nobody wants to sit. And it's right at game time. It's time for the guy to run in and do his, the drum major run in and do his high kick and the power T come out and a security officer grabs my wife and says, you can't go in with that. It was your purse and Rita's purse. So what happened? No one else knows where the car is. I'm the only one that cares about the game. (laughs) Millions are walking toward me. Glory. Where was Jesus? Where was Jesus? Holding your purse. So, everybody just take a deep breath. Jesus hanging on the cross. You remember from last week, one of the intentions of crucifixion was shame. It was pain, it was torture, but it was also shame. So I, I, I don't know about you, but I can feel the Holy Spirit right now. We've been having fun, but if we'll get real just for a second, somebody's going to get free this morning. Hanging on the cross for you, being shamed and rejected. For you. Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6. Pete, can you just go ahead and throw that up for me? Offered my back to those who beat me, my cheeks to those who pulled out my beard. I did not hide my face from the mocking and the spitting. Jesus willingly endured mocking on the cross. What does God offer in return? If you look at Isaiah 61 verse 7, it says, Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. If you remember from last week, another translation says a double portion of honor. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. As we look up here at the word disgrace, replace that word with embarrassment. Instead of shame and embarrassment, God offers us honor and joy. Joy and honor in place of shame and humiliation. And this leads us to the deepest wound of all to Jesus that he took for us to the cross was rejection. Jesus endured a double rejection, first by men and then by God himself. Let's look at Isaiah 53, 3. He says, he was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one whom people hide their faces. When hide their faces, he was despised. And we held him 
in low esteem. We held him in low esteem. But it gets worse. In the last moments of Jesus on the cross, in Matthew chapter 27, verse 45, Pete, I'm going to get you to flip these pages for me. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came all over the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing here heard this, they said, he's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. And the rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to him. And when Jesus cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain, Pete, flip it. The curtain at the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. They said he's calling Elijah, but he wasn't calling Elijah. He was calling to Father God. Father God, why have you forsaken me? Church, what happened? At that moment, Jesus was identified, let's make this personal, with your sin. Jesus completely made it personal to me. At that moment, God the Father did not respond because of Jesus taking our sin. He was finally identified with what we deserved and what we had done. Jesus took that for us. And can you see how painful it was to him? He's not sitting there crying out, crying out, I hurt. He's crying out, Father God, you have separated from me. Why? That's what he took. He took our rejection. I know it's been said so many times, but I want to agree with the scholars that believe that Jesus should have lived longer. The death on that cross was supposed to take longer. That's why the, the uh, soldier came and poked on him and wound up poking him through, but he was already dead. Why was he dead? I believe that he, bro he died from a broken heart. How many times have we seen parents that lose a spouse and just a month later, they die? That's not coincidence. A broken heart will take you to the grave. And I believe that's what happened with Christ. I believe that when he felt that separation, he was done. No more. He died from a broken heart. What did he do? It says, I'm going to go back to Matthew 27, 51. At that moment, look what happened. At that moment of his death, the curtain was torn and the earth shook. What happened when Christ died? The bridge between God and man was mended. That veil was torn, which then gave man access back to the Father, not just the priest. That veil being torn was your pathway back to God the Father. He restored the relationship because he identified with my sin. 
I could not restore that relationship because of my sin. Only someone that was without sin could take that for me and restore that relationship back. Can anybody grab what I'm, what I'm saying? The veil being torn was Jesus making us right. We were then able to receive the exchange because Jesus exchanged it. He went into heaven and made a swap for us. That veil was torn. I was no longer rejected. I, was, I became accepted. Can you say that? Can you say, I'm accepted? You are accepted because you have received Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you haven't, today is that day. But if you have, you're no longer rejected. We learned in Sunday school all morning how the Lord says, you're not rejected, you're accepted. You're not rejected. Christ paid the price for your acceptance. Be accepted. Cast off rejection. That rejection that you feel, you need to cast it out. Have you ever cast a, a, a fishing line? I'm not a big fisher, but I have fished before. In order to get that line out, you have to cast it. It doesn't just... You will catch no fish with just a mediocre cast. You got to rear back and cast that thing. How do you cast something out? In Jesus' name, spirit of rejection, I cast you out according to your word and according to your promise over my life that I am not rejected, but I am accepted You cast it. You speak to the mountain that stands in your way. Be removed now and cast in the sea. Where are you? Anybody here? Anybody have a mountain in their way? How do we deal with the mountain? You speak to it. And I want to, I want to tell you, your words don't mean anything. Mountain's going nowhere if it's your words. You speak God's words over that mountain, and that mountain will shake. That mountain will melt. Hills melt like wax in the presence of the Lord. My preaching's way better than you're receiving. When the prodigal son returned home from just wasting everything, the prodigal said, Dad, I want my money. I think the dad knew what he was going to do with it. He knew the son. Took off, squandered it, was broke and hungry, came back. What happened? He didn't have to knock on the door. The dad was looking for him. And before he could get out of his mouth how bad he wanted it and he's willing to do anything, the dad stopped him, restored him, brought him back in put a ring on his finger, put a coat on him, put a coat on him, killed the cow, and had a party. He's not rejected. He's accepted. You need to return. You want that spirit of rejection to go? Return to the Lord. He'll drive that out. Return to the body. 
you get around other believers and you start speaking that nonsense, I'll tell you, you speak nonsense around me, I'll call you out on it. That's not part of your life. Let me tell you what is part of your life. And let's walk together to get through it. It's not that what you've walked through isn't real. We've got to walk through it. How many of you know the best way to get out of hell is to start walking? Don't stay there. Start walking. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 5. All this for your benefit. He did it for me. Everything God does, he does it for my benefit. You know, I can't get real um, uppity when I realize I didn't deserve it. I didn't do anything to earn it. He just gives it. He just gives it. I want to show you another scripture, John 17. It's significant that Jesus' last words to his disciples before his crucifixion concerned our relationship with God as our Father. It says in uh, John 17, 25, Righteous Father, through the, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent, that you have sent me. Have made, I have made you known to them, and I will continue to make you you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Did you catch that? Pete, go back a scripture. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them. Let's stop. Jesus made God known to us as Father. Prior to that, he was only known as Jehovah. We had never known God as Father. Jesus identified him and made known to us that he's Father. But only the person that could identify God as Father is the Son. Then the second part of that scripture, he says, And I will continue to make you known. Jesus is saying that he would, re- he would continue to reveal God as Father. And then comes the purpose of the revelation, the last part of the verse. That the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Now listen, because Jesus is in us, God has the exact same love for me that he has for Jesus. Can that somehow get in? To your hard heart? To your hurt heart? Because of what Jesus said right here that was happening supernatural, that Jesus is identifying to us what supernaturally happened with him dying on the cross. And he's explaining it to us by saying, because what has happened on the cross, I'm able to now make known who, who God is. He is Father. And the reason, I can, the reason Jesus is saying I can make him known to, as Father to you, because now I am in you. I'm a son. You are a child of God. You can know him as Father. It's one thing for him to say, he's my Father. But what he's saying is, he's your Father. Isn't that awesome? So all of a sudden, we can identify him as father. Many of you, because of your rejection, your rejection is due to your father. I know it is. What does this do? This begins the healing process. 
because your father was, was difficult, it makes receiving Father God difficult for us. But if you will get to know Father God, he will repair and restore that relationship in you, and he will drive out that rejection. It doesn't mean that the hurt that you have over your own father doesn't still exist and it's not still real. It is, but you can be healed. You can be restored. Such an awesome thing because Jesus is in us. God has the same love for us that he has for Jesus, but listen to this. Because Jesus is in us, we can love in the same way that Jesus loved him. Did you catch that? That the love you have for me, that the love Father God has for Jesus may be in me. I am able to love like Jesus loves. This represents the ultimate purpose of the earthly ministry of Jesus to bring us into the love relationship that, that exists between the Son and the Father. That's just awesome. Last scripture, 1 John four eighteen. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts or drives out all fear. This is what has to happen that the love of God genuinely comes into you so much that it drives out fear. Rejection ultimately is fear. That when the Spirit of God genuinely comes in and you begin to build that love relationship with the Lord, you're going to look around one day and think, that rejection is gone. That hurt is gone. As we develop this relationship with God, it leaves no room for guilt, for insecurity, for rejection. Let me pray over you. Father God, what we have learned this morning, what we have heard this morning is tough. But Father God, I just feel your spirit with us this morning, just trying to to get in. Your word says that if we would just open the door, you would come in. Many of us, us even as Christians, have gone back and shut the door. Right now, in Jesus' name, help us to open it back up. Thank you, Jesus, for restoring that relationship, for taking my sin, for taking my shame to the cross, that you identified with what I am so that I might receive what you deserve. Father God, today we just speak out that we receive honor and glory and acceptance and we reject shame and rejection. Help us to turn this week and get into your word and walk according to your word and connect to the body and speak edifying things to one another encouraging and building one another up. I just agree with the word that was said this morning about you making our path straight. God, I believe that you've done it, but we have to walk it. Help us to walk that path. 
bless us this morning. We're going to take communion in just a minute. And I just ask you right now, get right with the Lord. Right now, make a choice to get right with the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.